1: Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured
0: And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. Honor and privilege to be with you all today, as always. This Friday, January 20th, the day that two years ago we had an instatement of a president that did not rightfully win an election. For president any, any time in his life, and the three times he tried, he never won. But he was state as president anyway because the deep state wanted him. Thank you for being here today. Hope you all enjoyed the interview with Roger Stone here on this program. If you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to that program wherever you get your podcasts here on the Red Feature Radio Network. GOPjosh.com slash interviews is where you can find that as well on our interview page on the webpage. We're going to start with the Ohio segment today. I usually do that last, but I want to start with Ohio because Ohio has made national news. Our Senate race between Sherrod Brown and whoever the Republican nominee has finally begun, and it's time to start covering it. Matt Dolan, he ran for Senate in 2022. He's a rhino. He voted for abortion. He votes against gun, or for gun control for abortion. Um, while in the Ohio Senate, he has announced another U.S. Senate bid. This is time to... He's trying again. He is the definition of a Cheney Republican, a rhino Republican, a Republican that doesn't stand for the people. He lost to Josh Mandel in this primary. I want to remind you that. folks. Someone who already lost a US Senate bid as a nominee. Someone who was disparaged in front of every debate stage for acting like a fool. Matt Dolan, who spent $10.2 million lost against Josh Mandel. Just want to remind you that. State Senator Matt Dolan announced Tuesday that he is running for the chance to take on U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown in 2024. The uh, Kugrin—I'm not—I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, Falls Republican placed third in the chance to take take, uh, Rob Portman's seat, surprising to many who watched the race unfold. To Dolan, 2022 sent a clear message. Republicans want someone who can solve problems. The midterm election showed us nationally that if the Republicans are going to put up folks that are focused on yesterday running these campaigns of grievances, we are going to lose. He is the only person in the 2022 Senate race who refused to center his campaign around former President Donald Trump. Fact check. False. Columbus dispatch. Um, He cast himself as a pragmatic focused on policy over politics and rejected false claims that Trump won the 2020 election. After the primary, he launched a super PAC focused on how Republicans can move forward and execute their ideas. All right, Matt Dolan. If we are not the party of Trump and we are not the party of Trump Republicans and, and the party that believes the election was stolen, how did you lose to Josh Mandel in the primary? How did you place close to Mike Gibbons and beneath J.D. Vance in the primary? You are... The definition of what's wrong with the Republican Party. And I never go on this airwaves, you know that. I never go on this show and openly disparage a candidate like I am right now. Matt Dolan is the worst Republican in Ohio. I would rather want run Mike DeWine 10 times over than I would Matt Dolan. He is a number one worst Republican right behind probably Frank LaRose, who's also eyeing this seat. Republicans have such a problem in Ohio. We can never win. If we do pick up a seat outside of J.D. Vance, it's a terrible candidate. If we do win, it's a bad guy because the party won't support someone who is good. Look at J.R. Majewski. Look at Madison Gilbert and look at Steve Shabbat. They put a lot of money into Steve Shabbat. We couldn't even win that race. They put nothing into J.R. Majewski, and nothing into Madison Gilbert, and we lost those Republican-leaning seats. But I bet, I bet money on it right now, folks, that if Matt Dolan was the nominee for the U.S. Senate, he would get every dime the Ohio Republican Party has because they don't care about winning. They don't care if Republicans are in the Senate. They don't care if Democrats are in the Senate. All they care is that another crony working for the party, working for the deep state, working for the uniparty, is in power, and that's who Matt Dolan would be. So to those of you out there on Twitter, on social media saying, well, we had J.D. Vance, we won J.D. Vance seat, we can pick up a neocon establishment rhino at this seat. You are the worst take in politics. It's the worst take in politics I've ever heard is compromising with the with the bros, the uniparty, for one Senate seat. Matt Dolan and Sherrod Brown would go on a stage and they'd debate with each other and they'd say, well, I agree with you, but I agree with you, I agree with you, I agree with you, I agree with you. Because they don't disagree on anything. Matt Dolan is the most left wing u s. or Ohio senator, I believe, in the in the Senate chamber. He voted against the heartbeat bill. He wrote and voted for gun control. He is not a Republican. He is not someone who stands for your values. And I know I'm losing a lot of a lot of people here openly disparaging a different uh, another Republican. But the problem is we can't keep nominating these same old, same old lackey losers. I don't think if we nominate a bag of rocks with an R taped to its side, we are going to lose Sherrod Brown's Senate seat in 2024. Donald Trump will be on the ballot again. We will have a conservative in that position. We don't need to run a rhino. Who should we run? That's something I get a lot when I con- uh, when I, pardon me, attack Matt Dolan and when I attack Frank LaRose, is who should we run? We should run Warren Davidson. Or we should run Mark Bukita. Or we should run someone who has some potential, some values, some balls, so to speak, that can actually stand up to the left and not bow down to them. And people say, well, Josh, the most important focus needs to be getting Sherrod Brown out of office. And I don't disagree with you there. But what's it worth voting out someone who's like 80 years old with lung cancer who's going to die eventually? Hopefully he doesn't, but I mean, he's going to happen. And and, and has pretty much the same values as Frank LaRose instead of just nominating someone who's a Republican that has the same values as Sherrod Brown that's 40 years old that's going to be in there for another 40 years. So I'm not trying to be the devil's advocate here or, or advocate from the left, but I'm saying if we are going to just nominate Another Rob Portman, another rhino like Rob Portman. What's the point? We don't need another 10-year senator. We don't need another neocon, pro-war, pro-Ukraine, pro-gay marriage, pro-abortion, pro-gun control. Establishment creature in the U.S. Senate. Is Sherrod Brown better? No, he's not. But at least he has values he sticks to. He works for his party. Not for the people, but he worked for his party. And I believe the Republican Party generally worked for the people. Matt Dolan does not stand for that Republican Party. And he does not stand for the voters of Ohio. That's why he lost the primary to Josh Mandel, by the way. And he's going to lose to Sherrod Brown if he does win. I saw this map on Twitter that was like uh, 20 blue counties in Ohio out of the 88, and it said, Uh, What happened here for the Senate race? And I said, we nominated DeSantis Haley as a ticket. And we appointed Dolan as the Republican nominee. And people are saying we need to unite behind Dolan so we don't have a divisive primary. I believe the primary in Ohio made us stronger as a party nationally. Made us stronger as a party in Ohio. Because people were watching and they saw how after the primary, after the different the, uh, different views were debated... People in Ohio voted for the populist, voted for the person that was working for the people. May have been slightly influenced by Donald Trump, and that's okay, but they voted for the right candidate. And you know who they didn't vote for? Matt Dolan. They didn't vote for Jane Timkin They didn't vote for Mike Gibbons or Josh Mandel. All of the same old, same old establishment cronies. They voted for J.D. Vance, who I said multiple times was my second choice in the primary. And that's important. So if we think we shouldn't appoint a JD Vance, and by the way, people are going to use this, and I want to pick this up after the break because we do have to get a break. People are saying JD Vance should have outperformed Trump. We'll talk about that in a minute. Right back after this.
2: You're listening to the Conservative Crusader.
0: Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for being here. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash gopjosh to support the program. Get early access to our interviews at any tier. $3, $10, or $20 a month You get early access to our interviews on this program the day before or a few hours before, depending on how the schedule is set up. Our phone line brought to you by Patreon is 57-GOP-JOSH, 757 6747 Our email is josh at gopjosh.com or you can use anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader slash message to send in a voice message through that. Support the program for $3 at patreon.com slash gopjosh. Support the program for $5 and get something epic out of a logo, a voiceover, whatever you might need at bit.ly slash Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. Fiverr is a marketplace leader and a leader for independent people to do what independent people do best at fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. Is the web page? slash GOP Josh, F I V E R R. Support Red Future Radio at blackoutcoffee.com and use code TSMS at checkout for 10% off for some good coffee, hot chocolate, gear, uh, tumblers, whatever you might need. Blackoutcoffee.com, use code TSMS. Check out our website, GOPJosh.com or RedFutureRadio.com at the web page, wherever you get your podcast, whatever you use your web browser. Thank you for being here today. Welcome back. We're still on the Ohio topic. We have a lot to get to, so I kind of want to move this on, but I want to talk about the critique of JD Vance saying, "Well, he uh, he didn't outperform Trump. He did worse than Donald Trump." First off, Donald Trump ran against someone who was dead. JD Vance ran against a very lying worth and a lying candidate in Tim Ryan. J.D. Vance did not campaign whatsoever. Mike DeWine did more campaigning than J.D. Vance, which also contributed to J.D. Vance not doing as well. I will 100% agree with you when I said this in the primary, that J.D. Vance does not know how to campaign, and if he's in a competitive race, should drop out. In that case, we need someone who has the values of J.D. Vance with the campaigning ethic of Jane Timpkin or Mark Bukita or even Matt Dolan or Josh Mandel. We need someone that has the campaigning of anyone else in that primary with the values of J.D. Vance and the beliefs in the legislation that J.D. Vance is going to vote for. Let's move on here. If you have anything to say about the Ohio topic of the day, Ohio U.S. Senate race 2024, Matt Dolan running in that race against Sherrod Brown. If you missed that on the program, go back and listen to the podcast, gopjosh.com. Um, yeah, so if you have any topics on that or any conversation for that, five seven GOP Josh seven five seven four six seven five sixty seven forty seven. The Supreme Court. We're going to talk about the court now, because they announced in a statement on Thursday that the investigative intern investigation into who leaked the draft of the court decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization has led to no conclusions. And I know there's some news in con and conservative media right now. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but I want to talk about this first. Uh, Politico obtained and published a draft copy of the court's decision in May, prompting outrage among pro-abortion activists. Uh, The day after the leak, John Roberts ordered Supreme Court Marshal Gail Curley, the head security officer of the court, to launch an investigation. The court officially released the decision in June, which overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. Best decision the the court has made in a long time, by the way. Um, The Investigation had a lot of small law clerks being investigated, and they just couldn't find anyone. They couldn't find anyone who did it. I want to go back in time here to, I believe this was also in May, when Will Chamberlain, yeah, it was May 3rd, Will Chamberlain found out who did it. And I'm not trying to say this is 100% gospel, and absolutely whoever he thought did it, did it. But let's listen to the clarification. And I'm not saying that this lady woman, woman did it, and I've talked about this on the program before. Um... She is a master degree in gender. She is a Yale undergrad, Yale Law, two British master's degrees, one of which is in gender. She wrote her long legal research paper, A Note, about reproductive rights and abortion. She argued Obamacare's non-discrimination provisions should be interpreted to force Catholic hospitals to perform emergency abortions. She wrote an op-ed about reproductive rights. Her career page says that she is a clerk for a court. Her NYT wedding announcement happened. She clerked for Judge Nina Pillard. Pillard was on a DC Circuit judge appointed by Obama and forced through by Harry Reid, blowing up the filibuster. She is pro choice. She got a Gruber Fellowship at the ACLU for a full year, working on abortion and reproductive rights. Her career is focused on abortion. The journalist who leaked the opinion is Colleagues. With her husband. He wrote for Politico. Sharing a byline with Josh Gerstein. And they are interacting on Twitter often. They are friends on Twitter often. A law clerk. We don't know who she clerks for. She is focused on abortion. She's wrote op-eds about abortion and and reproductive rights. She spent a year working on abortion at ACLU. She clerked for a stridently pro-choice appellate judge. And her husband is a journalist who shared bylines with Josh Gerstein at Politico, who bleaked the story. Will Chamberlain does not have insider information, obviously, and he's a, he's a good man. I, I like what he says a lot of the time. But how can he find this using public information and the court can't find something deeper? I'm going to do something I don't care to do, but I, it's important to do, I believe. And I want to actually channel back one of my podcasts and one of my uh, tweets. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sure they found the culprit that leaked Dobbs. It'd be just politically inconvenient to reveal to the American people that the highest-guarded institution in American history was destroyed by a leftist with a narrative. I'm going to let that resonate. It'd be politically inconvenient to reveal to the American people that our highest-guarded institution in American history was destroyed by a leftist with a narrative. Are you surprised? They found someone. They found who did it. We know they did. But they are afraid to say it because of the implications and the just possible lookouts and points where they could say, look what the left did. They destroyed our our Constitution and they destroyed our Supreme Court. We're going to move on now, but I wanted to mention that very quickly. I've got a lot to say on this next topic. I'm going to play a clip here. It's about a minute 33 from Media Matters. It's also actually from Steven Crowder. But I want to play the clip here. I'm in at 32. I'm sorry. Um, Steven Crowder. Louder with Crowder.
1: I'm asking, would you walk away? What would it take for you to walk away? from $50 million because it's true. That's exactly what I did. It's exactly what I'm doing. And so long as these contracts out there include enforcement of big tech, of punishing conservative creators on behalf of, Of the people we claim to fight and the people who have long since demonetized us and can't stand me and part of me doesn't blame them as long as these contracts include that not even for me but the next person i wouldn't take a billion dollars and certainly not if you understand in context when behind closed doors i know and these people know and acknowledge exactly what's being done to the next generation of creators Bench talent, young talent, they don't get deals like this. So they get they don't get deals that... They can be wage slaves for a little bit, come over and make a salary and grow their brand. That you then own? Well, I own parts of it. I don't own it. They can, when their contract's up, they can still go out and they'll still be famous. They can keep doing their shows. So they'll go do a show somewhere else. They'll be in a far, far, far better place. You help them make them. No, no not this contract. This contract owns it in perpetuity even after the contract. You're paying a lease but getting ownership. That's what this contract reads. Okay. No, no I'm not about this I'm contract. An audio this contract, contract here. owns it in that, perpetuity but... even after the contract. You're paying a lease but getting ownership. That's what this contract reads. Okay. On the
0: content that we paid to produce, yes. Alright. Oh, sorry about that. I've got a lot to say about this. And we're going to bring it into the next segment as well. So let's, let's start with the numbers here. And I've watched uh, Brett Cooper, who is the young talent, the wage slave that I believe Jeremy Boring is referring to in that clip. I have heard the response from Candace Owens on Daily Wire. I've watched every hour of the Steven Crowder show about this as well as the um, Jeremy Boring response to this. I watched every part of it, listened to every part of it in depth. $50 million a year. That is not including or that is including production fees. So everything... Um, is produced out uh, with louder with Crowder is still responsible to Stephen Crowder. He has twenty five employees. He said in another clip. So divide fifty million by twenty five here really quickly. Let's do the math. Fifty divided by twenty five. That is if he pays everyone equally. Two hundred. No, I'm sorry, I'm doing the math wrong. It should be twelve point five because that's a year. He's paying them by the year. Be five hundred thousand dollars apiece assuming he takes a million dollars out of that that makes it even lower that makes it divided by twenty five forty six hundred or four hundred and sixty thousand dollars not counting studio costs not counting production costs not counting everything else you need to make a show if I had to take what I made from from a contract out of what I've put into the studio and put put into this gear here at, at the red feature radio Studios in my home um. I wouldn't like that deal very well. Especially with an talent as high as Crowder and as important as Crowder. Also, they would own everything he made while under Daily Wire. While under the six or four or six years while he's under Daily Wire. They would own. Which I think is a weird structure. It's like Netflix paying to license a show and then owning it forever even after the show goes somewhere else.
2: You're listening to The Conservative Crusader.
0: Hey, everyone. It's GOP Josh. We can only keep the Conservative Crusader podcast or or program that you're listening to right now on the air with your support. We have recently launched a Patreon program where you can support us here at Red Feature Radio for as little as $3 a month. You can find that at patreon.com slash GOP Josh. You can also support the program at anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader for as much or as little as you'd like to give. This program will remain free and financial support is not required or expected but anything to keep us on the air helps. Thank you, folks. And now, back to the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back when we went to the break. We were talking about the Stephen Crowder and Daily Wire beef. And I want to start here. Um, Stephen Crowder did not reveal who it was in his original 27-minute video who made this contract. Um, Daily Wire exposed themselves, first of all. Next up, I want to talk about the uh, enforcement of big tech, which I think is wrong. Daily Wire's entire structure... Is around the alternative platform. DW Plus is supposed to be the alternative to YouTube for their content. It's also supposed to be a alternative to Netflix and Disney Plus and all the other streaming platforms. It's supposed to be the alternative. When you look into this contract and you read parts of this contract, and I read parts of it, I couldn't, I can't say I read every page. I read parts of it. In this contract. Daily Wire is saying, if you are struck down or demonetized from YouTube, we're cutting what you what we pay you to make the same content. Now, I understand that in ideal, in like the, the, the basic idea of it. But when you dig deeper into what Crowder's doing and how he's already been demonetized, it's a stupid idea. He's been demonetized for multiple years already. And I'm not defending anyone here. I'm just looking at it from an objective point of view. As someone who's in this business, in this industry, I'll give it on a much smaller scale. Um, I'm looking at this as in, in a very different perspective. We have a problem in, in Con Inc that everyone thinks they need to own everyone. Jordan Peterson should not be on staff with Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh and Andrew Clavin, all on one team. What happens if AWS or a web server strikes down Daily Wire in one day? Or Daily Wire goes bankrupt and they're all out of a job. I don't agree with any of those thinkers on 100% of issues, but they are very important for the movement and for the future. Adding Steven Crowder onto that would be a stupid idea in the first place, I think. But also, another person to just tank it. You should not base your company around enforcing big tech. Um, albeit we haven't signed any big contracts with, with Red Future Radio yet, because we aren't that big of a network yet. But I would never put into this unless it was abundantly clear every single person watching the show was on uh, YouTube and he was making $15 million a year from YouTube that we would pay you less because YouTube thought you said the wrong thing. And I can't promise that for the future. I, I'm not going to be with the leadership position in that position forever with anything. that No one will ever be. Jeremy Boring will leave Daily Wire eventually. Um, but they're licensing Rolotter with Crowder like Netflix. They are taking the show... Like Netflix has done with many other shows and licensed them to put on their network for a certain amount of time. They said four years. Um, I know The Office was one that was a big news story when Netflix took it off. Um, they licensed the show. Now, could you imagine if Netflix made a, or The Office made a spinoff or made a more shows while they were with Netflix and Netflix said, we're paying you money right now, so we are going to own that content forever. So if you go to Peacock, if you go to another streaming platform, We will forever own those segments of the show you made while you were with us. That is tying them in. And that is completely and utterly anti-American and anti-movement. It is bad, inherently bad, for the movement, for the future, for this cause. If we lock people and their content into restrictive contracts and not allowing their content to follow them where they go. What if Steven Crowder, while he was with Daily Wire, got an interview with Donald Trump? or got an interview with Ron DeSantis, or got an interview with someone very important. And he can't have that on his resume, can't have that on his records if he leaves Daily Wire because he got it while he was under Daily Wire, and Daily Wire paid the production cost through his $50 million fee. That's the problem I see with this. We are relying on big tech in the conservative movement, I'll give you that. You'll probably listen to this program on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, all of which are big tech platforms. You could also listen to it through Red Future Radio or GOPjosh.com, all of which are not big tech platforms. And if I get taken off of big tech, if I get banned from YouTube or or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we have a backup to post on all of those web pages. If I get banned from Spotify, the link that is currently a Spotify link on my webpage will become a privately owned managed link based on what I upload directly to that website in order to like, get the message out. Would it tank dang my, dang my listenership? Absolutely, but it's what we would do, what we'd have to do to keep the show on the air. What Daily Wire is trying to do is make that platform coherent and all-in-one, where if they do get banned from that, they have a place to go. The problem is... They can't do that if they rely and punish people for being banned on big tech. That's the problem. And that's where I see the issue. We're going to move on. I hope more of this story comes out because I want to keep covering it. It's a very important story for the future of the movement. But I'd like to keep talking about this in the future regarding this big old deal. All right. um, Biden is going to declare for president after the State of the Union address this year. According to CNN, uh, President Biden is likely to announce his bid for re-election not long after he delivers a State of the Union address on February 7th. A source with knowledge on the ongoing planning confirmed to CBS. CNN was the first to report with the approximate timing of the president's announcement. Uh, he has not, it not been finalized yet, according to the source, who has said it has always been our plan. State of the Union first, candidate later. Senior aides view the forthcoming State of the Union address as a de facto launch of his re-election bid. He wouldn't announce during the speech, but in the annual attention for the primetime address affords the competitive uh, and the captive audience that can draw. They see it as a way for Mr. Biden to lay out his short and long-term ambitions. A formal announcement will come as, uh, later, as February, uh, February, or even March. Uh, Rep. James Clyburn of South Carolina has encouraged him to announce for re-election because of his accomplishments. More progressive legislation than any president since Lyndon Baines Johnson. So that's one thing he's going to declare for president. I also want to play this clip here of someone else who might declare, and then we're going to get into this a little deeper. This is, well, you can hear by the voice who it is. I'll tell you who it is afterwards in case you can't tell. But let's just play the clip here. On the Red Future Radio Network, this is from Fox News, Brett Baer.
1: We are in the new year. How are those tea leaves looking? Are you going to run for president? Well, I'm not gonna make an announcement here, but when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, am I that person that could be that new leader but yes we need to go in a new direction and can I be that leader yes I think I can be that leader I was as governor I took on a hurting state with double-digit unemployment and we made it the beast of the southeast as ambassador um, you know I took on the world when they tried to disrespect us and I think I showed what I'm capable of at the United Nations so do I think I could be that leader yes but we are still working through things and we'll figure it out I've never lost lost a race. I said that then. I still say that now. I'm not going to lose now, but stay tuned.
0: That is Nikki Haley, former ambassador to the United Nations, the worst hire Trump could have had for that position. And this is something I said during the Trump presidency. I said during the campaign trail, and I will continue to say Trump had bad hires. The worst thing Trump has done in his presidency is hired the wrong people, including Nikki Haley. If she runs for president, she will lose bigly. It'll be embarrassing for her insanely embarrassing for her. Um, She formally said she will not run if Trump runs. I believe she has changed her opinion on that. She wants to run if she thinks she can win, which is one thing. If you think you can win, run. But she wouldn't be good for the country. She is good for Nikki Haley and Nikki Haley only. Um, she said be- she was going to run before we surrendered to Afghanistan, before high inflation, high crime. It was before we saw drugs infecting our states. It was before she saw foreign policy and disarray. A lot has changed since he shed, she said she wouldn't run if Trump does. She still shouldn't run if Trump does. She will lose her any political footing she has. She should not ever be a national figure. And I, I want to say this. I'm not trying to sound misogynistic or anything like that. But every woman we have in a prominent figure in the Republican Party should not be in a prominent figure in the Republican Party to their values. Right? If you look at Nikki Haley, you look at Christy Noem, if you look at... Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is a McCarthy crony, and we know what she did with McCarthy behind the dorms, behind the rooms. Um, We shouldn't promote these people to powerful positions and important figuring positions. We just shouldn't do it. It's stupid for the party. It's stupid for our perspective. It's stupid for what we stand for as a party outside of just, hey, you're a woman. Let's, let's run you. We put Tulsi Gabbard in a position of insane influence on Fox News Uh running for our candidates because she said she's no longer a Democrat. She has showed no value shifts. She just wants a job, a cushy position as a host on either a radio show or a Fox News show or something to that perspective. She does not stand for Republican values. And that's who we're appointing to possibly be the vice president, according to Donald Trump. Elise Stefanik voted for Trump only 63% of the time in Congress. Now he's considering her for vice president. That's the problem with our party is we take gender more important and is a more important figure than we do their policy.
2: You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. Hi,
1: I'm Joseph Bausch, CEO of Hydro Communications and the American Perspective. The American Perspective is a new, trustworthy news and opinion organization with the information that you crave. You should visit americasperspective.us to read the news, our analysis, and watch our great lineup of talk shows. Again, that's americasperspective.us, and I'll see you there.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Honor and privilege to be with you all today, as always, on this Friday, January 20th, 2023. McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, much to my dismay, is moving to end proxy voting, meaning Republican and Democrat legislators have to show up to the chamber in order to cast a ballot for a vote. Are you telling me people in America have to show up to work to do their job? Why don't we do this nationally? Or if you want to work, you have to show up to the office or you in certain positions, of course. You can't be a legislator from your couch. You should not be a legislator from your couch in any capacity. So good job, Mike McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. I always confuse him for the news guy on Channel 6 in Columbus. Good job, Kevin McCarthy. Thank you for that one position. I appreciate you that on one person on that one position. I agree with you. Also, he's standing against raising the debt ceiling, which is also a good thing. If you don't know, we capped out our debt ceiling limit the other day, which is scary. Which is, uh, I mean, not really for me, but I mean, it's scary for people in government, of course, because they're not going to get their paycheck. And it doesn't actually do anything. Just look at it this way. You you are out of money to borrow and your credit card is maxed out. That's all it does, right, is you have a maxed out credit card. Maybe the government... Shouldn't run on a maxed out credit card. Maybe we shouldn't run our tank on empty and wonder why we run out of gas without extending the length of the tank and not actually putting gas in the, in the engine. That's the problem is we have run too long on debt. We are a country that without debt would not exist. Okay. Republicans are creating a crisis that doesn't need to exist, said Brendan Boyle from the Democrats in Pennsylvania. The standoff comes as Republicans have ramped up calls to tie spending cuts to any bill raising or suspending the debt limit. Legislation that caps how much outstanding national debt the government can hold to fulfill its financial duties. Democrats, by contrast, have instead insisted on a clean bill to address the debt ceiling. If we want to address the debt ceiling, we need to stop spending so much money. Lower our defense spending. Lower how much money we spend on stupid government welfare programs we don't need to have. Also, by the way, stop sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. Stop spending every dime we have on Ukraine and expects us to have money left. We have sent a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine to uh, for their stupid war with with Russia that no one cares about. That does not have any effect on the rest of the country. We're putting our money in there just to start a world war, just to make Biden a wartime president and make him look kind of prominent and have the same part in history that FDR did. That's how dumb we are. Republicans have stood by and voted and voted and voted for every measure of Ukraine money. And now we're wondering why we're out of money. If we didn't spend $100 billion on Ukraine, we'd have $100 billion more. We We wouldn't have hit the debt ceiling yet. Don't raise it at stealing, Republicans. Stand your ground and say, "Hey, hey, we can't just allow the left to go forward and put money everywhere they want to put money, and and, and just not do anything about it. And we have to cut spending if we want to have money. We can't just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing from our future generations, two hundred years down the line, that will never pay off our thirty-one trillion dollars in debt. I mean that 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 is the truth. That's a problem we have is we we don't have priorities." And it bothers me as someone with GOP in my name that we don't have priorities that actually matter to the people. We don't actually take priority in things that matter to the American people. Adam Kinzinger, a former Republican representative, a bad Republican representative, is selling copies of the January 6th report for $100. We're going to talk about this really quick and then we're going to Head on out of the studio for the day. Representative Adam Kinzinger is selling limited edition signed copies of the January 6th Committee's final report for $100 via his Political Action Committee's website. This hardbounding copy of a historical record is offered as a limited edition and signed by Congressman Adam Kinzinger, who served on the committee. All proceeds will benefit charitable organizations working to uphold and defend democracy in America. A description of the book set on the website for Kinzinger's Country First Pack. Kensinger was an outspoken critic of former President Donald Trump and one of two Republicans, alongside former Representative Liz Cheney, who sat on the January Sixth Committee. Um, he has formed a country-first pack, selling government documents for hundred dollars to raise money for defending democracy. That's just it, it's stu- it's stupid. Imagine if Trump took the impeachment papers and he and he signed them and he and he put a signature on it and sold it for a hundred dollars. The left would be outraged over it. He is selling important government documents. He's selling top secret things from the government. Adam Kinzinger is just stupid. No one cares about Adam Kinzinger, okay? And he's so insistent that we all need to care about and love Adam Kinzinger. He's the most important person in politics. which just isn't true. It's it's kind of funny, actually. In a way. But it's just stupid. All right, friends. We're going to head off here for the day. Like I said, if you missed the program, if you missed Wednesday's show, we were talking to Roger Stone, who, I don't know if you all know this, is probably the most important person in Republican politics that hasn't actually served in office ever. He created super PACs, he created a negative campaign adding, uh, um, advertising. He is the godfather of Republican campaigns. I would say so, at least. Very important interview. Uh, GOPjosh.com slash interviews for that. Until next time, my friends, Fiverr.com, uh, bitly slash GOPjosh slash Fiverr.com. Patreon.com/gopjosh and BlackoutCoffee.com. Use code CSMS. Gopjosh.com. Red back on Monday. Have a great weekend, folks, and stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Conservative Crusader.